people on these web forums are claiming they're talking to the CEO and they're sharing the inside scoop. And so you really feel like you have your pulse on it. In retrospect, I didn't have my pulse on anything, but I thought I did. And so I watched the stock climb from say 40 cents to 80 cents. And I think you want to know what this is happening. One of those situations where price confirmed my narrative, that probably should have been a sign. I, I probably should have dug a little deeper, didn't even really understand the fundamentals I was getting involved. This was pure story-driven investing, and I bought. Hello, fellow risk-takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever, stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. My name is Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Investment Research, and I'm here with featured guest, Corey Hofstein. Corey, are you ready to rock? I am very excited to be here today, Andrew. Thank you for having me on. You are welcome. I'm glad to have you. Let's tell the audience a bit about you. Corey is co-founder and chief investment officer at Newfound Research, a quantitative asset management firm specializing in, hey, this is cool, risk-focused tactical asset allocation. At Newfound, Corey is responsible for portfolio management, oversight of research, and communication of the firm's views to clients. Corey received his BS in computer science from Cornell University and his MS in computational finance from Carnegie Mellon University. Corey, take a minute and fill in any further tidbits about your life. So I think it's important before I go into my story here of my worst loss to really stress that in my professional investment career at Newfound Research, Everything I do is 100% quantitative, and everything we do as a firm typically operates at a level well above security selection. So we're very much focused on sector selection, factor selection, geographic selection, and asset class selection. So it should come probably as no surprise after saying all that, that my very worst investment was an individual security that I bought on a discretionary basis. <laughs> yes, and what we could say is getting out of our zone of, of competency or the area that we build so much skills in. So that, that's an interest, introduction to it. So I guess let's get into it. It's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. So we have to rewind the clock here a little bit, probably about a decade ago. It's, uh, it's actually been so long and it was such a bad experience, I managed to scrub it from my memory banks. But this was very early on in my investment career, probably, as I said, about a decade ago. And like every investor, it does seem like a bit of a cliche. I started with Benjamin Graham's writings. It was security analysis and the intelligent investor. Uh, obviously, if you read The Intelligent Investor and do anything other than what the book recommends, you're not intelligent. And so I got very, very interested in individual security analysis. I read everything I could get my hands on by Buffett. I'm understanding that it, the real opportunity is in microcap stocks, finding deep value, finding something undiscovered and holding it long enough till the market recognizes how smart you are, right? That's the idea here. And this is the internet era. So being a young investor and being a young person coming up in the internet era, I was totally sucked in by all these investment boards, both ones that were really well known and popular and some that would only have 10 or 15 people on it sharing ideas with one another. These were completely anonymous people. The whole idea was 
It was all based on sort of the, the merit over time. You got to know these people, learn their investment style, see their picks and calls. Now, of course, they could be totally fabricating it in line. You really had no idea. Um, but you built a bit of sense of, of trust in what people's styles were. And one day on one of these boards, an individual stock got recommended by the name of Deep Down Incorporated. Now, I want to pause here for a moment and say that my story, and I think really anyone's worst investment ever, uh, shouldn't reflect what they're investing in, right? This is not about whether Deep Down Incorporated is a good company, a bad company. I honestly don't even know if they're in business anymore or whether they're a tremendous success. I take 100% ownership of this being the worst investment ever. But the company was Deep Down Incorporated, and I think at the time I became aware of it, it was somewhere in the range of 40 cents. Now, Deep Down Incorporated was a company that was trading, trading on the pink sheets, and it was a company that really specialized in deep sea oil exploration uh, and services related to production. So they built all these sort of underwater umbilical cords, and they built all these in, uh, underwater drones to go explore wells. They would lease and sell this technology to large companies. And the thesis here was really, what a terrific R&D operation. Uh, this company is always one large contract away from being not just profitable, but ultra profitable. What a ripe target for buyout, right? You've got this tiny little operator dealing with all these major players in the industry. Of course, they're going to get bought out. And let, let me ask you to clarify two things for the audience, because we do have a global audience. They may not understand what boards mean, and they may not understand what pink sheets mean. And I, I think I understand both of these, but can you explain those? Uh, what, what does that mean? Boards here referring to like web forums. So places, websites where you can go, and it's really just related to have these posts you can make where you can think of them like, you know, a blog to a certain extent that everyone can then comment on and there's feedback. And they were very, very popular in the early days of the internet. Exactly. Uh, and even today, they're very popular. The Bogleheads Forum is an incredibly popular website for investors to share research and, and ideas and support one another. Got it. Um, so they've definitely declined a bit in popularity in the, in the big stage relative to social media, but certainly there are corners of the internet that uh, form very important. And as far as pink sheets, it simply means that the stock is not trading on the big boards. It's not trading on the New York Stock Exchange. It's not trading on the NASDAQ. It is over-the-counter traded, which means it is hyper-illiquid. It's a penny stock. It doesn't meet uh, the regulatory requirements and, and the stock exchange requirements to be listed. Which most people know is probably a danger zone that you're playing in already because of the illiquidity and the penny stock nature of it. So that's a great Absolutely. explanation. Absolutely. But I should further add, that only seduced me more because it meant, it meant there was opportunity to be uplisted, right? And oh, really? so this even further starts to go, oh, there's all these catalysts and you just need one thing to go right. And your, your thought is, oh, there's all this sort of optionality to this. That I really hate to interrupt because I usually don't when people are telling their story. But what you're talking about is exactly what I'm asking people to talk about when they're telling their story, which is, Tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it. And the point that you're making right there is that you were seduced by this. There was factors in there that you could say were dangerous, but you were seduced by this that, you know, the potential could be huge. And I believe 
when you talk about scams that are going on all around the world, this is one clear way that they do it, is find something that's very sexy and seductive. And so that's great explanation. Keep going. Absolutely. And, and you know, a whole part of this is you've got this micro cap or, or penny stock and people on these web forums are claiming they're talking to the CEO and they're sharing the inside scoop. And so you really feel like you have your pulse on it. In retrospect, I didn't have my pulse on anything, but I thought I did. And so I watched the stock climb from, say, 40 cents to 80 cents. And I think, you want to know what? This is happening. You know, one of those situations where price confirmed my narrative uh, that probably should have been a sign I, I probably should have dug a little deeper didn't even really understand the fundamentals i was getting involved this was pure story driven investing and i bought and i watched the stock go from about 80 cents to about a dollar 20. i think that is maybe one of the worst things that can happen when you've made an investment for the wrong reason because you become so entrenched in your belief that you know what you're doing. So I was right for all the wrong reasons, but at the time I thought, wow, I'm a genius. And I had a profit target, and this was right around my profit target, but I said, you wanna know what? The story's only getting better. Because yeah, we got over a dollar, but now I think we're gonna get to $5, right? I just kept imagining a better and better future because price was confirming all these stories I had built around it. And so I, instead of taking some risk off the table, taking some profit, I put more money in it. And then I watch as it starts to decline a little bit. And I go, oh, natural pullback. Other people are taking some profit. Not a big deal. The next big contract's around the corner. We know this thing's gonna get uplisted eventually. This is the pain you need to go through for the long-term reward, right? This isn't supposed to be something you buy and, and get successful in six months. This is the 10-year buy, the 10-bagger, the so to speak. We're going to get you know, a 1,000% return here. And then it just kept dwindling. And I thought, you want to know what? This is a buying opportunity. So not only did I buy at the top, I then doubled down on the way down. Which, you know, again, in retrospect, not such a smart move because I really didn't at all understand what I was buying. And then it just continued to dwindle. And it probably got back to around 40 cents and stayed at 40 cents. And at that point, I was so disgusted, I just stopped looking. And I think three or four years later, it's still at 40 cents. And I finally said, uh, I'm out. I don't care. I've moved on with my life. And that was my worst investment ever. And I should point out, it wasn't, it wasn't my worst in dollar amount, right? I've certainly lost more on other investments. From, but from a the standpoint of, did I do absolutely everything wrong that you can textbook say I did wrong? Yes. Uh, and I, like to, I, I would like to think I've learned from it. You know, sometimes I got to get hit in the face a couple times with the same lesson to really learn it. But certainly, I think with that one in particular, I can look and just shake my head and say that was a classic, terrible, terrible investment. Well, let's move into the next phase, which is just understanding what you did learn from that. I think everyone's takeaway is inherently going to be different. While I am a big quantitative investor, I've always felt that people need to invest in a manner that aligns with their personality. Um, if you are someone who really enjoys the process of understanding company fundamentals, uh, a more discretionary value approach can be totally warranted and appropriate. I certainly would never want to tell someone the right way to invest. In this situation, 
I think what I recognized is that I am an emotional investor, uh, despite the fact that my background is quant and, and everything I do today is quant. It's not quant because I'm a robot, I'm quant because I'm emotional. And I need those rules to make sure I stay on the straight and narrow. Otherwise, I think it's at least for me, far too easy to justify a change in strategy or a change in view that always gives me an easy out to however I'm investing. So at least for me, I think there's two lessons. The more global lesson is make sure you're investing in a way that really aligns with your personality, both the positives and the negatives. And then for me personally, recognizing the negative, which was I clearly am all too willing to fall prey to a narrative and all too willing to be an emotional investor. I need to find a way to invest where I am unemotional. So let me talk about, and I'll try to summarize some of the things that I take away from it and then let me know what you uh, think. Um, when I look at the six main core mistakes that people make, I would say uh, the first one that you've made was number one, which is failed to do your own research. I added into this, you know, your own. We never in the world of investing would invest without doing our own research. Now, the second thing is fail to properly assess risk. This is number two. And risk is a very separate item, but you know, there's a lot of risks, the risks of liquidity. Um, what are you gonna do when this share price goes down? What happens if it gaps down, that type of thing. So risk is, is another one, but then number four is what I think is illustrated best by this story is number four is called, I call it misplaced trust. And you've described very clearly how you placed trust in some an anonymous web board type of you know situation where people were pumping different stories for different reasons and they may not have even had any investment in it. You, you had no way of knowing. And I think that this is really, for the listeners, is probably the best lesson that I want them to take out of this is that there are people, honest, good people, who are sharing their investment experience on the internet and they cannot share it accurately. They are just not able to, from an emotional and a thought process, able to, for instance, look at, I looked at on your website and I see that you're GIPS compliant with CFA, the Global Investment Performance Standard. And basically what GIPS compliance requires is that you look at your complete portfolio of all your different asset classes. You don't omit things that you don't want to put in. And that's exactly what happens with a lot of people is they just, even if they're really good investors, when it comes to these type of web boards or groups that we have now, Facebook groups and other types of groups, even good people find it hard. It's hard for them to be truthful about what's happened. That doesn't even consider the liars and the cheaters out there that are everywhere. And I can't tell you the number of times that I, people have come to me about how they're, they're starting to trade in Forex. We did have one story already on my worst investment ever where he lost most of his money trading in Forex. But I just think of all areas, you know, Forex, I just think you're betting against the central banks of the world. <laughs> and what's your angle? Oh, you've got somebody that's showing you some bet that they've made and it made money and you think this nonsense. So I think from my perspective, I really want to take away from this because this misplaced trust, because clearly for listeners, Corey is an intelligent, well-educated, thoughtful guy. And he still got into this concept of fail to do the research and misplaced trust. So that's what I would say. Did I miss anything? 
Well, I think there's maybe two things I would say to that. The first is I'm somewhat disappointed I didn't hit all six of the potential failures you can make. I would think that that story probably I could squeeze it into all six. But the second is, you know, I think at least an important takeaway for me here is not necessarily a lesson in a failure itself, but I think to recognize that mistakes are going to happen with investing. It's impossible to completely avoid mistakes even when we're aware of them. And I think to your point about having failing to think about risk, one of the lessons that I took away from this and really has taken away from my entire investing career is you're working necessarily without all the information. You don't know who's necessarily on the other side of a trade. I think it's very, very, very important to always consider that you're going to be wrong and not just wrong once, but wrong multiple times and, and survival ultimately is key. Uh, you can't put all your ships on, on one color here, you really need to make sure you're well diversified and you are thinking about all the ways in which a trade can go against you and your criteria for cutting your losses. And so for me, it's not, you know, it's embarrassing. It's funny to talk about your worst trade. Everyone probably has a worst trade. I think the big lesson to walk away with is it's not going to be your only bad trade. You're going to make many throughout your career. It's not about not making them. It's making sure you can survive them. Fantastic. All right. So based on what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? Yeah. Don't buy penny stocks based on someone else's recommendation. It's definitely uh, an easy takeaway here. But no, I, again, I do think it is first and foremost, acknowledge your own weaknesses. For me, that very much meant acknowledging that I could be very drawn in by a narrative was clearly willing to make mental shortcuts in my analysis and allow others to do the work for me at that point in my, my investing career. And so I wanted to make sure that could never happen again. And so for me, it meant adopting a fully quantitative methodology that I controlled from A to Z and would certainly ensure that I was not going to be drawn in and seduced by my own emotions. Great. And I, as I wrap this up, I want to go back to something that you said, and it's a good quote that I think we can add to the show notes here, which is, I am not a quant because I am a robot. I am a quant because I am not a robot. Now, that's my paraphrasing of what you said. You, what you said is, I am a quant because I'm human. Right? I'm trying to build structures to overcome emotions, but I do love that, uh, you know, what you've said. And, and I, I'm very much similar in the way I think of things. I try to think of things in structured ways, and that gives me some difference or it gives me some, you know, the, the fact is, is that, you know, there's great people out there, men and women who can find great investment ideas and make a ton of money from them without having all the structures in place. But for me, it makes me feel better. And I think the best thing in investing is that there's a space in investing for everybody with every style. So find your style, implement your style. And I think that's what I'll, I'll take away, particularly from this conversation. So thank you very much. And for the audience, now you have another story of loss to keep you winning. To find more stories like this, previous episodes, and resources to help you reduce your risk, visit myworstinvestmentever.com. As we wrap up, Corey, thanks for coming, in, coming on the show. I know it's painful talking about our losers, but our listeners are learning to win as a result. Do you have any parting words for the audience? All I want to say is thank you for having me. It's been fun. It is painful to reflect on your losers, but uh, hopefully you can learn from them and grow. Amen. Well, that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and most importantly, protect 
our well fellow risk takers, I'll see you on the upside.